Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. It's party time. P-A-R-T. Why? Because I gotta. This is the Bob and Jeff Show, starring Bob Lutz. What is your name? <laughs> Starts with a B. Ends with a B. Oh, don't tell me. <laughs> Ten seconds, Bob. Bob! 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 Jeff Lutz. Now, why do they call this a urine monkey? Uh, oh, just found out. Yuck. In Jason Duda, for today anyway. I know that, dude. 97.5 in 1240 KFH. Strap yourself in and feel the G's. Good afternoon, everyone. It is a Friday edition of what we call the Bob and Jeff Show. Jason Duda is in. We've got the three-man booth for you for the next two hours. A jam-packed radio show today on KFH. I'll start with the pleasantries. Hello to both of you. Thanks for being here. Hello. It's always a pleasure to see you. Is it? Thanks. And I get no pleasantries back. Well, you did say thanks. I said thanks. Uh, Duda, Duda does, seems unmoved. already disconnected, but that's cool. Did we start? <laughs> uh, you know, the picks are coming down to the wire, and you guys gave me one last night. Uh, Fifteen and a half points never made sense to me. Except when it was 13 in the second half, or 12, or whatever it was. And the Shockers uh, did lose, disappointingly, but they played... I didn't watch the second half because I had a, a commitment a baseball practice indoors. Really? We can do now. Uh, but uh, listen to a little bit of it. They've just Their defense just falls apart in the second half. Well, it has the last two games uh, against quality offensive opponents. They've played well offensively in those games, but uh, haven't been able to stop anybody. Oh, well. Now I have a road game at South Florida, which came back from 20 down last night to win at Memphis. Makes no sense. So sports. many things. So many things. It just doesn't make sense. Sports. That's sports. Uh, here we you go. just don't know. You don't know. It's not played on paper. We want cliches. Like, you, you don't know. That's why you play the game, right? Anything there's no can... reason for uh, Wichita State up double digits in the second half. they got to win those games. And it's not like Florida Atlantic hasn't is that good this year? Look at some of the teams they've lost to, Gulf Coast. They've lost to teams that they shouldn't have. Wichita State needs to win that game, being up double digits. To those of you still listening after that, 
Uh, we appreciate that was pretty it. good, actually. Uh, the Thanks, second Jeff. half was. I appreciate it. The it second was half was. The uh, first half was Don't even sports. start. Don't even start. <laughs> just because we started the show off because you got the game right last night. If you'd got it wrong, it wouldn't have been mentioned. I'd have mentioned today. it. Not a uh, here's what we have for you in just a few minutes. We're going to hear from Braden Looper, former Shocker, great former Cardinal, uh, pitched for several other teams. Uh, he is one of many going into about the several going into the Kansas. Well, he did. He's one of many going into the Kansas Baseball Hall of Fame in a ceremony at Lavella uh, next Saturday at noon, and uh, Braden Looper will be our guest here shortly. At 225, and I'm thrilled with this, and I want to thank my friend Jordan, uh, Jordan, Jeff Bolig, for reaching out to me on Twitter this morning and telling me that one of the, one of the guys on the Notre Dame roster back in 1974, when they ended UCLA's 88-game winning streak, is Myron Shuckman. What do you know about Myron Shuckman, Jeff? I know that he was on the Notre Dame team 50 years ago that beat UCLA. Right. From the tiny town of McCracken, Kansas. Never heard of him. A very good high school player. Went to Notre Dame. Didn't do a whole lot at Notre Dame, but he was on the team in 1974 that, again, ended that UCLA uh, 88-game winning streak. He spent most of his adult life working here in Wichita as an executive at Coke Industries. Myron Shuckman is on this show on the 50th anniversary of that big upset in South Bend, Indiana. At two twenty at three twenty five, Joanna Chadwick, and then at three forty, Emily Stevens, uh, who was with us during COVID quite often, uh, as we discussed the uh, psychological aspects of that period of time. She will join us for five questions. A much more lighthearted appearance for Emily Stevens. When I when I asked her, Jason, she said yeah, she'd do it. So that's uh, kind of different from from what. <laughs> from what, Jeff? S- from some others that we've reached out to in the recent past. Oh yeah, <laughs> no names mentioned. Uh, yeah, I'd be careful if I was you. <laughs> yeah, watch out, Jeff. I didn't say you any might names. Think it's it funny just... right now, but I'd be careful. Yeah, <laughs> don't dig too deep on that one. I, hey, I just uh, I'm just making you Dia, know. Dia, Jason's wife, w- is how who I didn't even know we were talking about. Is a. Uh, Unseen but still viable part of the show. Unheard of, unheard from, unseen, but she's with us. Am I right about that? Absolutely. <laughs> she loves everything about this show. Absolutely. Thank you. You're welcome. That means something to me. I know it does. That's why I said it. I just answered the question. We've developed. I will not say what she just texted me about Jeff, though. Uh-oh. Just now, really? Just now. Well, she's probably in the car, actually, so she's probably well, yeah. listening. But I will not. No, I'd I'm like, not going to. You're I'd not like gonna. actually to hear that. Uh, Does it no. include some profanity? No. But it's not complimentary. In, in a way, I, I, well, to, no, it's not. That's just, I'm just going to say it straight Maybe up. off the air we can. Off the air, I'll share it with you. All right. Oh, okay. And then cool. you guys can decide from there. But well, we're leaving the air for a few minutes. No, yeah. we're not. We're not doing that. <laughs> no, I know better now. I've been around long enough to know that that's not true, Bob. Uh, we are expecting Braden Looper. I can't wait to well, talk. Well, we're to calling him, so I hope uh, we are calling him. Okay, Max has got it. Yeah, Max has that. And Max will let us know when he's ready. No doubt. That's what. Yeah, Max is uh, flawless in that area. 
So we're all excited. Fridays are kind of that day that I I don't know about you. You got to work. You've you've had to work Saturdays. I don't know if you yep. are now. Yeah. Still working Saturday. Saturdays. Ah, oh, well then that doesn't mean Friday doesn't mean as much to you. Not at all. No, no. Just another no. another day. Now I have to work on Saturday, but my work's a little different. Uh, but Fridays are always kind of that. You get a little more energy. At least I do. You feel the same well, way? I got to go to work after this, and I got to work Sunday, and I'm doing the uh, slam dunk contest tomorrow. I noticed you didn't. That's not work. I noticed you didn't even reply to our no, friends. No, I replied. I couldn't reply to dual text. Okay. So I had to shut my phone off, and now I can again. But I told Spike, I, Spike, who invited me first uh, what to do you come mean out. First? He, he invited me, and he sent me a message saying, Can you do. Can you judge the slam dunk contest Saturday? I said, probably not, but you could call Jeff. Okay. Where is it at? Valley Center. Valley Center. Oh, all right. Here's, oh, I, oh, here's Braden Looper, who joins us on the hotline. He will be inducted uh, a week from tomorrow into the Kansas Baseball Hall of Fame. What, how many Hall of Fames is this for you now, Braden? And welcome to the show. How are you? <laughs> well, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. Um, it's a good question. It's probably like three. It's like my that's pretty good. My local high school hall of fame, the Wichita State Hall of Fame, and this actually in Oklahoma baseball hall of fame. So I guess four. Well, tell us, uh, tell us what you're doing now. I know that in some ways you're uh, connected to my beloved St. Louis Cardinals. So tell us what tell us what you're doing in, in uh, 2024 here. Well, uh, I appreciate you asking. I am um, so I have been working for the Cardinals for years in player development, uh, working with all their minor leaguers and helping, you know, mentor them and help them become. It, it, the goal is how do you become a big leaguer? But then about a year and a half ago, I actually started working for an agency where now I'm an agent helping represent players in the same way and 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 helping them uh, do the same thing. How do you become a big leaguer? I'm trying to find the next big leaguer. Well, I still love you, but just not quite as much. You're not with the <laughs> so, so what's that work yeah, like? Always, what does that mean? To myself you? A cardinal. Okay, I, that, you're on my good side again. Broken, oh. yeah, broken with the Cardinals, and and yeah, I'm sure that organization means a lot to you. But what is the current work that you're doing? Kind of like you said, kind of just a continuation, sort of what we had been doing, working with young players. Did you have that person kind of? Uh, on your way up that, that helped you? And what does it mean for you to kind of be that guy for others? Absolutely. I mean, I had it at different times in my career, you know, even going back to when I was in high school and coming to Wichita and Brent was that for me, you know, he, he kind of um, was the first person that really truly believed in me and helped me, you know, the mental side of baseball pitching, he's, he's a guru. We all know that. And then I think in, in pro ball, Early in my career, it was difficult because I, I came up the first five years I was really in the big leagues was in the Marlins, and we were all young. We didn't have many older players, but then, you know, uh, as I uh, moved on in my career, there was some, some guys I definitely, you know, looked up to, whether it was Rob Mann and, and, and guys like that that I wanted to emulate for sure. Obviously, when you, when you started playing at little different times com compared to now, what do you see as the biggest difference with these kids coming up or trying to be a big leaguer? Uh, 
are they more receptive now? Do you think to to a guy like yourself or back when you when you were playing and coming up? Did you see that there was more more guys receptive to that sort of situation then? And what's the difference between the two? That's a good question. I'm not sure I quite have the answer for that, but I think that the players today are definitely knowledgeable, and there's a different type of, you know, the the all the conversations are centered around different things, whether it's, you know, ride on fastball. We're back when, you know, I played, it was more, you know, Brent's thing was just, you know, get ahead in the strike zone, commanding, you know, down, that kind of thing. The game has changed in a lot of different areas, but I think there's still the aspect that, when I finished my career, when I, towards the end of my career, a lot of what you, you go through stages in a career and you're like, okay, I want to get to the big leagues. And then I'm, you know, I want to make money. Everybody wants to make money, but then you, you also want to win. And then it becomes about something more than yourself and you want to pass it on to the next generation. And I think as you get older, you realize that's as valuable or more fun than anything else, because really at the end of the day, it's going to end someday. And to pass forward what you've been giving, a lot of what I've talked about throughout my whole career, I, I started with Brent Kidman. So things like that, it's like like his legacy will live on forever, and I, I kind of hope that happens for me too. Former Shockers standout, Braden Looper is our guest. Pitched in the big leagues for a long time as well. Uh, so how often do you get back to Kansas? How connected are you still to the Wichita State program? Uh, where do you think they're headed? It's been a little bit of a drought here in terms of certainly getting to Omaha, which I know this program aspires to. Uh, what what are your thoughts on the current state of Shocker baseball? So I would say not as often as I like, number one. I mean, I have three kids of my own, and, and I live outside of Chicago, so I'm not getting back. It's not like I'm local, and I can get back as often as I would like. Uh, but I would say uh, – Obviously, a huge fan, huge, um, you know, aspirations for the program, being kind of an older guy that's been around. I was back this fall, got to meet uh, Coach and got to meet the new staff and getting to, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, things that feels good. You know, how good are they going to be? I, I'm not the right person to ask. I'm not – you You would be way more knowledgeable than me right now with the, the program as it sits, but I know that – as a former player, I, it's exciting to, it's an exciting feeling when I was there. That's for sure. But hopefully it's moving in the right direction and a lot, you know, seeing the Shockers win would be amazing. So you were a, a starter for the last uh, few years of your career. I think it was the last three um, after being a, a reliever for a really long time. I'm just wondering, uh, you know, how that transition was made, who kind of had that conversation with you, was it your idea, and just what it was like because, you know, even a reliever in, in college. So how did you make mm -hmm. that transition? Funny story is uh, 2006, I mean, I'd been, to your point, I'd been a reliever, even at Wichita, I was, you know, I was kind of the post, I'll quasi similar to Darren Dreifert, right? Like having that guy that come in and finish the game, and then it went to Jamie Bloom, and then it was me, right? Like a succession of guys that could throw multiple innings or throw one inning or throw two days in a row, you know, the kind of the that mold was what my role was. And then when I got in pro ball, I got to the big leagues so fast, it was never uh, – I just stayed in the bullpen. And then funny story is in 2006, we're in the playoffs with the Cardinals. 
And Dave Duncan walked up to me and was like, what do you think about starting? And I was like, well, I mean, never really spent much time thinking about it. He goes, I want you to go home this offseason and, and train to start next year and come into camp with the idea you're going to get stretched out and let's see what happens. And that's really exactly how it happened. And next three or four years, I started in the big leagues. I would like to know when you were at Wichita State and then in the big leagues, what are your favorite places to go and play? Obviously, besides your your home barns, um, but where were some of the cities when you're in Wichita and then obviously in the pros that you just like to go? And is there a reason why or a place that you enjoyed playing on the road? Well, when you ask that question, you always got to remember that I'm a pitcher, number one. So definitely not Colorado, definitely not um, Cincinnati. <laughs> because those ballparks, the balls just flies. Now, that doesn't mean the city's not great or it's beautiful or anything. It's just from the perspective of what the ball does. So you always got to keep that in perspective. But the, the places I enjoyed going to the most were, I, I mean, I love St. Louis. It was a great place to not only be a, a home, but also as a visitor. I loved going to New York. I mean, and, and when I played in New York for the Mets, I loved the people around the stadium. I have... You know, it, it's one of those things. It's it's a cool place because they had like, you know, the security guard at the front door of the 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 clubhouse had been there for forty years, or the the guy in the bullpen had been there for fifty years. It's like it's pretty cool when you have stuff like that. I love that, just the history of all of them. So, but those would probably be the two that stand out. Final moments here with Braden Looper. He's one of uh, several inductees into the Kansas Baseball Hall of Fame. That ceremony takes place a week from tomorrow uh, at Lavella. So when when you were traded uh, by the Mets, or were you were you traded or were you a free agent? Uh, I was a free Back agent when I Cardinals. left. Yeah. Okay, that's what I. As I was saying that, it it uh, became clear to me. Did you were you uh, overwhelmed by the Cardinals' offer? Was there a, a part of you that just wanted to go back because that's where it all started for you? How did you look at that? Um, partially, it was opportunity. I finished the year the prior prior year hurt. Um, was on the DL or you know had a surgery right shortly after the season. It was a major surgery, but um, you know part of it was opportunity and part of it was you know it was in the Midwest. It was close. I was living in Chicago. It was only a four hour drive um, for my family to come up and back and forth. So in you know I had other offers, but that was the one. You know obviously I kind of. Grew up a Cardinal fan. I got drafted by them. It was where I always envisioned playing, when I, especially when I got drafted by them. So it was an easy decision with the same GM was there when I signed my contract that drafted me. John Moseliak was the assistant GM at the time. He was actually the first Cardinal employee I met. He was like a assistant to the assistant's assistant kind of a thing. He picked me up at the airport the day I signed. So I'd known him forever all throughout my years there and around and, and, um, so I'm just a lot of fond memories. It was just it was an easy decision to go play there, but obviously they they gave me a good contract too. Real quick, Brayden, I was just uh, one wanting your thoughts on this class that's going in uh, along with you, and I think it speaks to how uh, deep the roots are with uh, with baseball here in Kansas. We go back to an 1887 team all the way up to you and Andy Dirks, more recent guys who played in the big leagues, and Ted Power and Ron Gardenhire. Uh, what do you think of this class? 
Yeah, it's exciting. You know, I, I don't know many of them personally. Obviously, I, I I know who Dirks is. I don't know him. I've not met him. But um, Gardy's exciting, right? So what a what a career he's had. And I remember playing against him. Pretty sure it was in Minnesota, even though I didn't play interleague much. But um, it's a it's an exciting thing. And and Wichita baseball or Kansas baseball, I should say, is. Um, it's much like Oklahoma. Listen, I was born and bred in Oklahoma. I, that's where I was born and raised. But, you know, I, I really became baseball-wise really in Kansas is where, you know, I kind of took off, if you will. You know, came in there as a relative nobody and ended up leaving three years later with the help of a lot of great people at the school there, third pick overall. So it was a pretty meteoric thing and got to the big leagues real fast. So it all started in Wichita in my mind. Great career at Wichita State, a fantastic big league career, Braden Looper, from 1994 to 96, a shocker. Uh, Braden, congratulations. It's really good to talk with you, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, cross paths at some point. Thank you again. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. All right, Braden Looper. Uh, big class, good class. Uh, Ted Power, Ron Reynolds played in the big leagues. Aaron Crow from Topeka. Certainly played in the big leagues. Ron Gardenhire, uh, who played here with El Dorado Coors back in the day in the NBC tournament, then uh, then uh, got married to a Wichita woman and spent quite a few years here, uh, even when he was playing in the big leagues and coaching and managing. So it's good that, that he's going in. And then the former Shockers, Andy Dirks, Braden Looper, and our good friend Joe Rocco. Uh, from Rock's Dugout, Sports Cards, and Memorabilia. That's right. Probably have to maybe take my wife to that event. We need to support old Joe. Absolutely. Oh, old Joe? Old Joe. Wow. Problem is, I got a, an event in League 42 that day. Uh-oh, we better figure that out. Yeah, that's a problem. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk uh, 50 years ago. Jeff loves it when we do this. My favorite. We're going to remember... That tremendous Notre Dame win over UCLA that broke the Bruins' 88-game winning streak, the longest ever in college basketball. Myron Shuckman was on that Notre Dame team that pulled it off. He's our guest next. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas Phoenix, and Rhode Island. Jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. US Q3 2023. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini. Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. This is the Bob and Jeff Show on 97.5 and 1240 KFH. 
All right. I am happy to be joined. We are happy to be joined by Myron Shuckman, uh, who uh, we're going to tell his story as we go through the segment. Uh, Myron, welcome. Oh, thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. You Good bet. To be with You're you. on with uh, myself and my son, Jeff, and my other son, Jason. Uh, <laughs> so, so you were part of the Notre Dame basketball team that in 1974 in South Bend uh, on a Saturday afternoon hosted UCLA, which was riding an 88-game winning streak at the time, had uh, the great Bill Walton on that team along with Keith Wilkes and others, and you pulled off that upset in one of the most uh, legendary college basketball games of all time. Uh, you're from McCracken, Kansas, up in northwestern part of the state, a very tiny school. First of all, right. tell us about your journey from McCracken uh, to get to Notre Dame. Well, that, that's always the question that comes up. I'm not for sure how it happened because, you know, McCracken is a 1A school. Uh, we had 50 kids in school, about 250 in town southwest of Hayes and uh you know we were fortunate enough to have a some really good teams back there with a, a, a great coach named Glenn Connor and uh so we took second in, in state in 1971 and then we won state in 72 and um you know I guess through all that you know back in the 70s there's publications and stuff that comes out and somewhere through all of that uh you know Notre Dame got a hold of me and I'll kind of preface saying that no that um uh, between my uh, sophomore and junior year and then between my junior and senior year, I had a chance to attend uh, Jayhawk basketball camp with Ted Owens. And, and through that time frame, got to be good friends with Ted and with Bob Frederick and all and, and was uh, recruited by them. And so getting the call by, from Notre Dame was, was a rather interesting one. And uh, they invited me to come see the campus in late October. And, and, and I'll just tell a quick story here. And it was late October and, and we were having a little bit of a sleet storm out in western Kansas, and I was driving over to Hayes to go on the plane. I, I stopped, and I just thought to myself, you know, I really don't need to go because I'm, uh, I'm not going to go there. I'm going to go to KU. <laughs> but I, I went anyway and showed up, and then after I came back from Notre Dame, it was just like, well, I think I know where I'm going. So that's kind of the journey overall pretty quick. So this uh, this win over UCLA happened 50 years ago today. Is this a date that's ingrained in you? Do you do you reflect on this day? What uh, what particular memories kind of uh, come back to you when when you're thinking about that day? You know, for me, uh, some of the key memories were uh, I'll say that some of that led up to the game. Uh, one was the fact that, you know, as we came in, we were number two. UCLA was rated number one. We were both undefeated. And uh, and I would say from the beginning of December, now here again, this game is January 19th, uh, Digger had already in his mind, he knew what he wanted to do in that game. And so during practices, as we're preparing for other other teams were playing, he would always leave time to run UCLA plays. So, we were prepping to play UCLA, you know, six weeks before we even got there and, uh, and instilling in our minds, all of us that, you know, these guys can be beat. And uh, even to the extent that I think it was the practice before the game, he brought in ladders in the team practice, cutting down the net so we could visualize actually doing that. So those were a couple of events leading into it. And then the day of the game was just uh, never been in a stadium like that. The, you know, the electricity, the excitement going on and 
the buzz and it was, you know, you just, the whole game was electric. And then, you know, getting up to the end of it where John Schumate comes down with the final rebound and, you know, the rest is history. Well, and I'm always interested on the fact, you, you know, you, you said your guys were basically prepping for two months before this game because you knew this was the one. <laughs> So how was the feeling after? And tell me a story about some of the parties you went to after that game. <laughs> Wait a minute. This is Notre Dame. It's a Catholic university. <laughs> oh, that's right. Nothing happened. You guys went to bed, right? So, I, well, I'll tell you what. There were probably a lot of parties, and I did not. I was not involved with any of them. <laughs> no, I'm sure there I just go. went back to the dorm with, uh, with our classmates because Notre Dame did not have athletic dorms, so we were just with all the other you know, all the other students. And uh, so I went back there, and I was lucky enough to have my uh, my high school sweetheart with me, who's now sitting next to me in the car because we've been married 48 years. <laughs> so, wow. uh, you know, we all went back, and I, I suppose that was the celebration of the party, was just uh, hanging out with all the guys and everything. So I wish I could give you some real good party stories. I'm sure there are quite a few to, that went on, but I wasn't participating in any of them. <laughs> That's okay. She's sitting beside you. We'll, we'll talk later. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we hear we hear her laugh. Myron Shuckman is our guest. Uh, who's Myron? Yep. Tell us how long uh, did you work at uh, Coke here in Wichita, Coke Industries? Uh, thir- yeah, thirty-eight years. Wow. Yep. Amazing. Retired about three so, and a half years ago. You were a freshman on that particular team. You didn't get in that game. Uh, but no, from I, what I understand, I you were a vital part of the practices leading up to that game because in some <laughs> cases, I'm told, I uh, need you to verify, oh, you kind of uh, played the Bill Walton role in the practices leading up to right. that game. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Actually, I was a sophomore that year. Um, okay. I was, a year, I was a year ahead of Adrian Dantley. Dantley was a freshman that year. So, uh, yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, you're right. I, I did get the opportunity to play Bill Walton, so Shoemate had to uh, guard me. And uh, so Digger brought out a uh, red wig, curly wig to put on to, to simulate guarding Bill Walton. <laughs> wow. I mean, let's face it, Digger did through about, you know, went, went through everything he could to pull out all the stops to make it as realistic as possible. And, you know, and, and I, it was kind of interesting because the team, I think we knew UCLA's plays better than we probably knew our own plays because we were practicing it every day. And, uh, you know, so that, that was part of it. And those were, I must say, those were some really intense uh, practices, but, but in, a, in a really good way. I mean, we were, we were very focused on what we needed to get done. It was a, an incredible box score. I'm looking at it right now. You guys, uh, you you had Brokaw and uh, Shoemate both play 40 minutes in that game and combined for 49 of your team's 71 points. And Walton mm-hmm. also played all 40 minutes. He had 24 points, but didn't go to the foul, foul stripe, did not shoot a free throw in that game. How do you not foul Bill Walton? <laughs> Uh, well, I don't know. Maybe the rosaries that were being prayed that day in the stadium must have been working or something. I don't know. Um, <laughs> that would be unusual for Walton not to go to the free throw line. So I can't really tell you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. So uh, you've yep. been talking about uh, your coach, Digger Phelps, and, you know, for guys 
you know, my generation, we remember most as, as an analyst, a, a TV guy. Uh, you've told right. some com, some funny anec, anec, anecdotes. Yeah, I think that's the word uh, about him. What was he like as a as a coach overall? What was what was special about him? Um, <clears throat> my wife is laughing again. Uh, well, let's just say this first of all. I had never met anybody like Digger. I, I had a high school coach that was about as calm as you could get. He never yelled in practice or or the game or anything. I mean, he was there to coach you. Whereas Digger. Uh, I would say you, you never really knew who you had come to practice. Well, you kind of did. You knew if you lost the game, you were going to have somebody like Bobby Knight coming in, and it was going to be just a terrible practice. <laughs> and then on the other hand, you know, Decker can just be the the nicest guy. Um, and he was. He was just a really pleasant guy, wonderful personality. Um, yeah. Matter of – no, I'm going to go with that story. <laughs> No, but tell but, it, no, tell it, tell it. Okay, so uh, so I grew up on a farm, uh, ten miles out of McCracken, and uh, so Digger had come out. I don't know how many times he'd he'd been out both to watch and then just in the general recruiting me, and and I had a pet pig named George. It was it was a boar, and uh, anyway he came he came into school one day and uh, saw me and I was it was about eleven o'clock. We were in shop class and and. Uh, he came over and he said, "Oh, by the way, your dad just sold George this morning," <laughs> and I he I didn't know that, and and so he he over the years he would kind of come back and keep talking about my pet pig. I, you know, he was a city boy and all that, so I I guess it was unusual for him. But but ten years ago we got together for a, a reunion back up at Notre Dame, and his daughters were there, and so now his daughters were now probably forty five to forty seven years old, and we were sitting and chatting and. And I just made a comment about Digger's memory. And I said, tell you what, go over there and ask your dad what the name of my pet pig was. And she comes back over and she said, is it George? And and so, <laughs> you know, so that's kind of the dynamic that Digger had. He he just had an unbelievable memory, remember people, but the personality was, uh, you know, off the charts. Just in, um, what's that? Two years ago, too. Yeah. Oh, and that's why my wife just reminded me, we did see Digger two years ago. We went up for a, a football and a basketball game and had a chance to visit with him a little bit, too, that night. So quite a personality. What you saw on TV is, I would say, was very, very much Digger. Yeah. Myron, uh, Myron Shuckman is our guest, part of the uh, Notre Dame team that 50 years ago today ended UCLA's 50-game winning streak in South Bend in one of the classic games of all time. Uh so I know you were caught up in Notre Dame winning that game. What do you remember about the reactions of the UCLA players and even Coach John Wooden uh, about losing that game? Because that was uh, an incredible dynasty they, they were in. They obviously right. valued that winning streak. Did you, did you happen to glance over at any of those folks? Uh, no. <laughs> no. I don't blame No, I you. did not. We. Because afterwards, you know, you're you're storming the floor, and the last thing you were doing was looking over at at the team or John Wooden. But one thing that does stand out is that I remember watching a, an ESPN special on Walton some years ago, and obviously this game came up, and his comment was, "That game was the worst day of his life." <laughs> wow! And I thought, well, that's well, that's just too bad. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
it it had to be it had to be uh, interesting to be in the same place and in the same game uh, with John Wooden. What was your reaction? What are your thoughts on on him? Well, you know, just with with John Wooden, you, I, I grew up watching UCLA, and let's face it, out in Western Kansas back then, you know, you get two TV stations, and and every once in a while you'd get a UCLA game on or a KU game or something, but. So, you know, UCLA was a team that we probably all followed back at that time. And uh, you, I don't know if you remember, if you're old enough to remember, like the Houston-UCLA game in around 19, what, 64, 65 with Blue I'm Alcindor old enough and to Hayes. remember all of that. Trust yeah. me. <laughs> you know, things like that that were just outstanding. So, you know, Wooden was just the epitome of a coach. You know, uh, everything you watched and you read and, the, the the way and the style that he coached and everything was uh, you kind of like what everything what a coach should be you know you never really saw him get red in the face or too much you know being upset or things like that but here again he didn't have too much to be upset about when you have teams with Alcindor and Walton and things like people like that on it and <laughs> you know you're coming off of his seven consecutive NCAA championships and so you know the man he's he's just uh, what do you say about him? He's just a legend. He's... Well, Myron, thank you for taking some time to talk with us today. I was uh, thrilled when uh, my friend and yours, Jeff Bolig, pointed this out mm -hmm. and uh, said, why don't you get Myron on the show? So I made that happen, fortunately. We were, we were able to connect, and we appreciate you coming on to, to reminisce. Well, it's my pleasure. You know, I wish I could share a whole lot more better stories from the standpoint of they were fresh in my mind, but, you know, after 50 years, uh, <laughs> don't ask me what I had for lunch yesterday. But, uh, you know, one, one good thing did happen last night. I, I happened to go out, and, and I uh, read an article from the South Bend Tribune, and it happened to be about, you know, the, the game 50 years ago, and they had a, a segment in there of the last three and a half minutes of the game where we were down by 11 points, three and a half minutes, and, you know, Notre uh UCLA did not score in those three and a half minutes, and and uh, then we came back and pulled off the upset. So that was great to just it relive was, those three and a half minutes again. It was amazing. Thank you, Myron. Okay, my pleasure. Thanks for giving me a chance to talk to you. Bye-bye. You bet. Myron Shuckman. Uh, remember that Notre Dame team? I remember watching that game in my parents' living room, and it was just uh, it was white knuckle. It was like, holy cow. Who were you pulling for? I think I, I can't remember. That's a good question. Uh, Seems like you'd be more of a UCLA guy. I probably like, although remember now, we were all getting a little tired of UCLA by that time. They win, win, win all the time. I mean, it's, I, it seems to me like I was kind of pulling for the, for the upset. That's a surprise. What, what do you mean it's Usually a surprise? Usually it's like, oh, the guy's winning. I'm on, I'm on board with them. Well, I mean, that's my life, but, uh, you know. I'm not going to abandon Tom Brady. I'm a huge LeBron guy. I, I like have the, I said all that? I like oh. the Knicks when they were good. I like I the did Celtics like the Knicks, when they were good. And I've I told like, you a million times why I like the Knicks when they were good. I understand. But if you like the Knicks, like the Knicks. No, I, I don't know why you have to be so bullheaded. So it looks like uh, Sports Illustrated's days are numbered. I'm going to post uh, a big, a long Facebook post about that later. Uh, Sports Illustrated, you, I presume, uh, had 
some positive feelings about it. Of course. Uh, but it was at its apex uh, when I was a kid. I'm not and, sure about that. Oh, absolutely. No, do- no doubt. There's no doubt, doubt about it. The, uh, what? Well, it's well just, there's no well, doubt why, about why it. Why is it always when I was a kid that it was the apex? When I was, why? Why would you say because at that it, point? Because of the riders. Think of all well, the riders over the last uh, 20, 30 years have been pretty outstanding too. You didn't have Gary Smith. Yeah, we did. You did. Yep. You didn't have Frank DeFord. We had Jeff Perlman. We had uh, uh, who was the guy who wrote the back page column? It was Steve Russian. Steve Russian. Yeah, that's who I was thinking of, but also uh, Riley. Rick Riley. Yeah, Rick Riley. Uh, yeah, we, we we both loved Sports Illustrated. Did you get it up in Sexsmith? Yeah, except it was always like four months behind by the time it got up there. <laughs> well, I, I mean, the covered it, wagons can't yeah, get there that quick. It quickly. took a little longer to get up there, but yeah, it was there. It was there. Did you take it in the mail? Did, did Was it delivered did, to you? What he your, means by that is did you get it in the mail? He has weird terminology about stuff. Well, we didn't have a subscription to it. You didn't have the subscription, no. but you bought it down at the Sexsmith General yeah, Store? Yeah, well, no, because they were about a year behind when it got to the Sexsmith General Store. But if you went into the Grand Prairie, the big, big center, and say you went into an office or something, there's always one there. So when you went in to trade in your pelts, yeah. you didn't also get a magazine while you were there? No. No, not all the time. You were allowed to read it while they were uh, assessing how much value your pelts were worth. <laughs> Remember how I my got day. Sports Illustrated? You know, don't didn't... don't steal that moment. We what? it was the moment yeah, it was, was a moment. We did. Yeah, the pelts, and oh, now pelts. Jeff. Jeff wants to get involved. Well, I remember Jeff's story about this, and it was something that we had a debate on for quite a while. One day, what was show. it? Or nothing. Now go ahead. What was it, dude? Well, how did Jeff? How did Jeff get all his magazines? Do you know? In my junior year of high school. You know how the? Do you know this? Davidson. And you allowed this? Did he probably, steal it? Yeah, he wasn't there. Well, he probably this was in Ohio. He probably should have been making a phone call and seeing what you were doing. Did you steal them? Took him out of the library. Well, it's just awful. It's That's awful. exactly what I said. I don't know if that was allowed or not, but uh, you don't know if it was allowed. You figured they were just and there. You took, this is similar to you, to what you do to this day. You open people's mail. That and by the funny. way, I got a lot of input on that. From who? Oh, I can't list them all. Well, again, like, like it was like what? He opened your mail. It was a little thank you card. I wanted to see who it was from. <laughs> Duda, I what? said it the other. Day. I said it was wrong. You shouldn't open a guy's mail. Shouldn't open and, anybody's and mail. I, but we're still on this but again. Because no, no. This, because it just reminds me of that. I took the magazines. I was, uh, that was whatever. Because it's you two, I find it funny. But it's wrong. Down here one day, took a couple gift cards, without telling me. Yeah, but uh, there's no, there's no yeah buts. I yeah, thought but, there was yeah, but yeah, how there was no anyone, money on them. You have these. Could, so they why'd you no take them if you thought there was <laughs> so no I money, put on. money on them? You had them down here for years. So you could put money on them? Yeah. Why not go buy your own gift card? <laughs> well, why not have a gift card that this has been sitting here for three or four How do you years? rationalize this? Because he took it hoping there was money on the card. and then I didn't there even wasn't. use it. I didn't go to Quick Trip. I so didn't his d- cover story is I just was going to use it to put money back on it in order to have a gift card. That's the cover story. And then he gets upset with people not having accountability. 
Uh, just, what are you talking it, it's about? Just, well, just, it's just amazing to me. Upset with? First of all, I would never go into someone's house, relative or not, and take a gift card. Secondly, and this is the honest truth, I mean, I just how I'm not pointing out that I'm some different than I'm some deity for this. I would never open anyone's mail. Except no mine. What. No, you yeah. were my son, and I don't remember opening your mail. You did, all the time, but that's okay. <laughs> well, how you many? Can, I'm do sure your you kids can get a lot of mail. I'm sure you can not uh, remember Avery does it all right you want. Now. Yeah, Avery does for schools and stuff like that. Well, I didn't open those. I don't know what you opened, but you opened my mail a lot. You didn't so. get mail. You were seven. <laughs> I was seven once, but then I was also eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. And 13. you didn't get any mail in those years either. Yeah, I'm just making this up. Well, you are. Just making you it up. You are making it up. Well, you're mean, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> what a Jeff, whiny. Jeff, on that one. He oh, is yeah. mean, right? Just yeah, he's got, this stuff yeah it's just it's awful. He's isolated incidents. I don't know if that's, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Well, it's not a good look to take magazines out of a library. That was 25 years ago. Can I just, you know, it's not like I'm a kleptomaniac. A little bit, but not much. Well, no, you, have, you look all over the place. I don't know what you do when you go upstairs. I've had to hide things. He went like and ate. He just went into your fridge and had a bite to eat. That's all. That's okay, but Absolutely I mean, he it may is. be going through... You know, the drawers of, I don't know what he's doing. He I don't care about your stuff. He doesn't do that unless we're doing it together, so you're fine. Good grief. <laughs> Both of you are despicable. I don't like this. You don't like what? Being attacked twice for the same well, thing. we were going to attack you over jeopardy. something else. You brought it up. Yeah, I did. You brought it up. So my bad. I wouldn't have brought it up. No. But if you bring it up, then you got to op you open it's yourself fair, up. Fair game. That's fair all game. Right. Who knows all of all my collectibles here? I don't know what Jeff has. And if I had not, well, they're not all real. Let me tell you that because some are replicas. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> Could be. I mean, I would have taken that Don Henley picture. I certainly would have taken the Eagles Rolling Stone cover. But I'm not a bad person. You know. My daughter has this little uh, container Where of rice. Where is the Eagles Rolling Stone cover? I don't know. I got it somewhere. What now? My daughter has this little container of rice in our refrigerator. I asked her if I could have it. She said no, so I didn't eat it. Good job. What a guy. Good job, buddy. But I could have. What? A, oh, you'd be a horrible person if you did that. It's, you, you, you just can't imagine anything worse. I don't know if it'd be horrible. If it's in the fridge and it's food and you want to eat. Well, that's because you eat anything you see. Well, don't put but it, if it belongs don't to put his it in daughter. Front of me, then. If it belongs to his daughter. Does it belong to her though? Yes. Hmm. That's it's a gray area. That's a gray area. She made I'm with it. Jeff on this. It's a gray area. She made it. But she put made it in the it. fridge. She went and got Panda Express. Well, then it's her. She with paid quote, unquote, for it. her own money, which she doesn't have because she doesn't have a job. So now it's even a grayer area. All of her money is given to her by someone else. Well, that's your guys' choice. Just saying. She had a job. Uh, I'll tell you what. When I was 18, I had a job. She so should have kept that job, too, but it uh, didn't work out. Oh, well. We're getting deep into the weeds here. Yeah. I'm about to blow a gasket. Do it. <laughs> I don't want to blow a gasket. I wish you wouldn't.
I'm not blowing a gasket. Yeah. Keep keep control of yourself. What do you mean keep control of myself? What's the word I was trying to think of? For what? What the things like popcorn shrimp, the things that immediately contradict each other. I don't know. I have no clue what you're talking don't know, about. I don't know. It, oxymoron. Oxymoron, yeah. So isolated incidents. If they're isolated, they can't be plural. That was a uh, oxymoron. But it's still isolated. What? Well, I have no I idea. Honestly I honestly don't know what you're talking isolated about. Isolated incidents like, is an oxymoron. Like what? Because isolated means it only happened once. Yeah. Incidents is plural. But uh, they, those were isolated incidents. What was? Now you're digging because you said you took more than one magazine, so it's not an isolated incident. But that was. I'm talking about the gift card. Did you thing. take? Did oh. you take the magazines more than once? Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Why, I mean, why are you making me incriminate myself over here? Like you did. How? Like you were no, a model no, citizen. Don't point it back to me. I never took a magazine out of a library. But you're throwing stones in a glass house. I feel. No, like. I'm not. <laughs> They didn't well, even I have magazines you when you were growing up. Absolutely nothing wrong as a kid. I'm not saying that. I'd say I said I never took a magazine out of a library. Well, I never. I know I did. The only time I ever took anything that what that didn't belong to me. The only, I did this. I think there were two incidents where I went into the Derby TG and Y. One time I took a record that didn't belong to me, and the next time I took a Playboy magazine. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh. You were going to be caught buying it. No, you couldn't. I couldn't buy it. Right. So I. Who was on I, the cover? I shoplifted. Greta Garbo. But I was a young. Don't try to be funny. You're it doesn't old work is what I'm you. saying. What? So now I'm old. Now yeah, that's now what you're going to come back. for a while. So you're on the defensive and your retort is, you're old. <laughs> That's so weak. I don't even really know who Greta Garbo is, but I know she's ancient. Is she still alive? Oh, now I'm ancient. No, she is. You're fine. Be, I mean, you're but old. But anyway, I started talking about how I wanted to uh, write about Sports Illustrated. Several of my favorite writers, I was inspired by these people. I think one of the biggest reasons I became a writer is because of people like Frank DeFord, Curry Kirkpatrick. Uh, Gary Smith, for sure, uh, and others. Dr. Z. McCallum. I mean, you, the list goes, oh, Paul Zimmerman. The list goes on and on. It's just they had the best. Peter King. Mm. I mean, I'm just Peter talking. King's fine, but he wasn't in that realm. Yeah, he, I think he about, is. No, he's not. I'm talking about the guys and women whose stories you look for. I, the first thing I did when I got to Sports Illustrated Besides, look at the cover, of course, was to look at the table of contents to see who wrote what. What? Go ahead. Try to get dude first on your side. First thing I did after looking at the cover was look at the first page of the magazine, and then I went and looked at the second page, uh, and then I just turned pages. That's basically what you just said. <laughs> first thing I did when I got a book was uh, open it and then start it. What are you looking at me for? I'm still trying to visualize what the what it actually looks like inside a library. <laughs> Is it just like books wall to wall? Is that it? Basically. I can't believe what he just said. <laughs> what? 
I, I just, I'm, it's astounding to me. We're going to take a break. Uh, I checked the table of contents. You're right. For the sole purpose of seeing who wrote the stories Unders- that week. I understood. I get you. But instead, you got to turn it into some weird thing. The table of contents tells you who wrote the stories? Doesn't In it? Sports Illustrated, it did. It had a table of contents. Here's the stories. What Here's page who was wrote that on? Them. First one. I don't know. It I was never a- got that far. That's <laughs> probably my problem. Two idiots I work with. Huh? Anthony, big fella, you in? Uh, call him. Send me a text, my friend. The show's never been more appealing with the idea of you being here. Let's go. Never had another option. Got one now. We'll be back. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. We all agree that reducing carbon emissions is a good thing. And once again, Toyota is leading the way. We hear a lot about fully electric vehicles, and Toyota has them, with more coming in. But we also know a BEV is not for everyone, whether it's because of cost, range, or concern about finding a charging station when you need it. Plus, the raw materials used to manufacture batteries are limited. Enter Beyond Zero, Toyota's vision for a carbon-neutral future in vehicles, and in manufacturing plants, too, in the years ahead. The materials used to make just one long-range battery for an EV could be used to make batteries for six plug-in hybrids or 90 gas-electric hybrids. That's why Toyota's position today is electrified, diversified, empowering you to choose how to reduce your own carbon footprint with the vehicle that's right for you, a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, or battery EV. So shop, learn more, and get details at toyota.com slash beyond zero. Toyota, let's go places. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com.